Welcome to Addicted to Busy, the podcast specifically for overachieving property managers who are dying for a little more work-life balance in their lives. Each week, we dismantle all the BS that holds us back. You'll learn how to nix those tricky self-sabotaging habits so that you have the time, energy, and motivation to create what you really want in life. If you're looking to shift from overcommitted to overjoyed, this is the podcast for you. Let's do this. Now, your host, Anna Havalyana. Hello, and welcome back to the Addicted to Busy podcast, where we talk all about work-life balance for busy, overwhelmed, overactive property managers. At the time of this recording, I just got back from a weekend at my alma mater, Wartburg College. And you did hear the name of that correct. I went to Wartburg College, which is in a small town in Iowa. The reason that I was back is that I'm on the alumni board. And so twice a year, the alumni board members go back to meet with the college administration, see what the students are up to, and get an update on what's going on on campus. I really appreciate the opportunity to be back on campus, walk down all of the old hallways and through the skyways, and connect with my old professors as well. This last time that I was back, I met up with my former choir conductor, and it was a lot of fun. Most of the friendships that I have maintained through through my adult life, they were formed in the choir rehearsal room. Most of my closest girlfriends, we sang together, and that was how we got to know each other, and that was how we spent so much time together. So my former choir director asked if I wanted to come and listen to the choir practice, which I did. And lo and behold, they were practicing a song that I had sung when I was in the choir. And my choir conductor asked me if I wanted to sing with them. And of course I said yes. And it was such a great experience to be back in that room singing again. And the caliber of these singers is just amazing. It was so fulfilling to be able to do that again. Those of you who know me know that I'm a pretty emotional person. So of course I cried, but it was just a wonderful weekend. Very, very nostalgic. And I'm very appreciative that I have an opportunity to stay connected to the college. While I was on campus this last time, I did a lot of reflection on who I used to be when I was there. And if I could have asked my former self as a freshman in college what she expected of the me of today, that version of me really could not have predicted the things that I've done in the last 10 plus years. When I was a college kid, I really, really struggled with people pleasing. And I honestly did not know how to take care of myself. I never would have believed that it would be possible that I have the daily routines that I now enact every single day. I never would have believed that I would run a marathon. (laughs) I remember in college, I thought that running a 5K at an 845 pace was challenging. Who knew that I would be able to run that same pace, but for 26 miles? My former self couldn't have even dreamed of that. So I started to wonder, what was the difference between then and now? The difference is that now I actively seek out things that I don't know if I can do. And I anticipate that I'm going to want to quit on my goal. 
And I know that the growth lies in the moments where I'm meeting myself at my absolute limits. So that's what I want to talk to you about today. Consciously creating more conflict in your life. As property managers, it is very easy to feel like there just aren't enough hours in the day. Property management can feel incredibly overwhelming, and it feels like no matter what direction you turn, somebody needs something from you. It's hard to know where to start sometimes when you walk into the office, and it feels like everything adds up so quickly. Between back-to-back meetings and urgent emails and just constant interruptions, it's no wonder that our own personal challenges fall to the bottom of our to-do list. So I want you to take a step back for a moment. When was the last time that you challenged yourself outside of work? Maybe it's been a while since you've picked up a new hobby or made time for regular exercise. Too many managers don't reach for their aspirations out of fear that one more task may be just too much to handle. And it's understandable. When your plate is already full, the idea of embracing something else can be daunting. But when you steer clear of your ambitions, it can lead to a lot of frustration and stagnation. When you're afraid to try new things, you end up looping yourself into more and more of the same experiences over and over again. There are plenty of reasons why managers are holding themselves back from their goals. First and foremost, the one that I see the most is that they fear failure. I think that the property management draws in a lot of perfectionists and perfectionists do not like to fail and they certainly don't want others to see them if they fail. I get it. I've been there. Another reason is that they worry that it'll be too much because they already feel stretched too thin. I know that your phone is going off from 6 a.m. until 10 p.m. or later, some of you. (laughs) So it makes sense. If you already feel like you're at your wit's end, of course you don't want to add anything else onto your plate. Another reason why managers don't go after their goals is because they worry about what their colleagues might think of them. We work in an industry that wears workaholism like a badge of honor. If you took time for yourselves, it's possible that your colleagues might judge you for it, or they might even be jealous about it. Another reason is that managers, they're not sure if they can commit. They've had so many instances where they've started a goal and then quit a goal that they're not even sure if they want to try again because they're so used to not making it to the finish line. Another reason why managers don't go after any personal goals is that they just don't believe that they have the time or they don't know where to start. At first glance, this list seems like legitimate reasons to just keep doing what you're doing. And to be clear, there's absolutely nothing wrong with not taking on a personal challenge. If you know and like your reasons why you're doing what you're doing, then by all means, you do you and live that out. But the chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you want more. There's something that you'd like to have that you don't. Or maybe there's a physical challenge that you're not entirely sure you can do, but something tells you that you just might be able to and you want to find out. A lot of you aren't going after your goals because you're giving far too much of your time to your job. So please hear me loud and clear when I say this. 
If there is something that you want, you deserve to have it. If you want to know if you're capable of doing something, you owe it to yourself to find out. You get one life. And while I do believe that we are meant to serve others, we're also meant to grow and evolve our own capacities. This is why taking on personal challenges is so important. It creates conscious conflict in your life. People might think that I'm arrogant when I say this, but I'm not intending to be. Running 26 miles is easy. (laughs) Honestly, the mileage is easy. Here's what's difficult. What's difficult is staying in on a Friday night while your friends or family are out doing fun things. And you've chosen to stay in on a Friday night because you have a long run planned for the next morning. That is difficult. Another thing that is difficult is saying no to delicious foods and yummy cocktails because they make you feel lethargic and that you know if you have them that you're going to feel awful when you take off on your run. 26 miles is easy. What is difficult is working around the guilt of dedicating your time to a personal goal when your friends and family want your time. It's difficult to take time to intentionally plan your schedule in a way that allows you to get sleep, have a social life, and then go run for a few hours. What is difficult about 26 miles isn't the mileage itself. It's mentally battling yourself repeatedly when you feel pain and your brain wants you to quit. That's what's hard. But all of those same challenges became skills that benefited me in so many other places. For example, I used to be someone who would go to work happy hours or networking events, and I could not say no to a drink. More importantly, I couldn't say no to a second drink or a third drink, and I would get so frustrated with myself because those drinks would make me feel lethargic. They'd make me feel tired. And every time I showed up to work the next morning, I knew I wasn't working at my highest capacity. So when I took on the goal of long distance running and I had to really cut back on those cocktails, it made my relationship with alcohol so much better. Now, even though I'm not training for a run of any kind, I can walk into a networking event and I feel calm, cool, collected, and confident and just saying, I just want one drink or I don't want to drink at all. I have worked through the social anxiety of being the person at the networking event who doesn't drink. And that also benefits me during the holidays as well. It feels so amazing to be able to show up for a holiday meal and know that I can eat and drink within my limits and eat and drink in a way where I'm not going to feel crappy the next day. Another one of the challenges that I had when I was learning how to run a marathon was meal prepping. When I was training for the race, it became so evident how important it was to fuel myself correctly. You definitely feel a difference when you're out on a run, depending on what you've eaten. When you eat well, it feels so good to go for a run. If you haven't eaten well, it's a completely different story. So I improved my capacity to make healthy meals and make that process super easy. And that paid off when work got busy. I remember I was once working for an ownership group that was buying, I think, four or five buildings at once at the same time that they were selling two or three other ones. And work was intense. 
work during that time required longer hours. It did require that I worked more than eight hours a day. And thank goodness I had built up the skill of meal prepping as efficiently as I did. When you're experiencing a lot of stress at work, eating takeout and drive-through food only makes it worse. All of that sugar and flour and processed foods sends your body into this spiral of trying to manage the ups and downs of processing all that sugar and flour and processed foods. But when you're eating very well and clean, you're showing up to work in a better mindset, you're able to function at a higher capacity. And I learned that through the marathon, but I got to use that skill when I was going through due diligences at work. Another thing that I had to learn when I was marathon training was that I had to reduce how much I was dilly-dallying. If you are a listener of the podcast, you may have heard me use the phrase, the dilly-dally refractory period. So what that is, it's the time that you spend doing other menial tasks before you do the big, hairy, scary thing. So for example, if I have a long run, (laughs) I will usually start dilly-dallying by cleaning the kitchen countertop, switching out the laundry, maybe wiping the bathroom mirror. It's all these tiny distractions that make you feel productive before you go take on the challenging task. Once I became aware of this, I built up the skill of being able to dive right into my most difficult task. And that not only helped me in marathon training, but it also increased my productivity at work. I was far less likely to procrastinate because I had the capacity to just dive into the scary task. Now, listen, you don't have to run a marathon. I know that that does not sound appealing to most people. All you have to do is pick something that you have never done before or choose something that you have done before, but you want to be able to do it at the next level. And that could be anything. That could be taking on a new craft of some sort, like calligraphy or cross-stitching or scrapbooking. That could be taking a language class or maybe a dance class. It could be getting a designation or a master's degree. One of the conscious challenges that I most recently chose was learning how to salsa dance, okay? This is something that I have wanted to do since I was a kid. And finally, I just bit the bullet and said, this is a year. This is the year that I do it. And so I'm here to tell you the dancing itself isn't hard. (laughs) What is difficult is going to places by myself where I don't know anyone and being willing to feel awkward in those situations so that I can learn the skill. Again, the dancing isn't hard. What is difficult is being willing to be a beginner and make mistakes and look silly. And because of that, I am learning to take myself less seriously. And I'm very, very hopeful that by learning to take myself less seriously, that my friends and family benefit from this as well. But that's the thing is that I chose that conflict and I'm better for it. It may seem counterintuitive, but taking on personal challenges can actually make you more effective at work. Not only do they help you recharge and reduce stress, but it also forces you to build resilience and creativity. When you learn how to consciously create conflict and actually follow through with it, the world is your oyster. You will stop looking at things as far off dreams or things that are quote unquote for other people, but not for me. 
because everything becomes accessible to you in one form or another. The world becomes more fun because you no longer feel like anything is off limits to you. You feel like everything that interests you is within reach. There is science-backed research that proves that having a hobby or a personal goal can help your career. And so this is what I want you to play around with. It's just the possibility that by doing something and challenging yourself, it will not only benefit you, but it could benefit your workplace. I'm really curious if you have any ideas coming to mind, if you have anything on your wish list that you would like to try. And if there is, I want to invite you to have a conversation about it. Come and get on a free coaching call and let's talk about it and let's see if it's possible for you to fit this goal into your life. There's no reason to wait. Like I said earlier, if there is something that you want that you don't have, you deserve to have it. If you want to know if you're capable of doing something, you owe it to yourself to find out. You get one life, so let's go get after it. Come and join me on a free coaching call. You can find it at AnnaHobbleyana.com and click Get Free Coaching in the top right-hand corner. That's A-N-N-A-J-A-V as in vendor, E-L-L-A-N-A.com and click Get Free Coaching in the top right-hand corner. All right, my friends, you know how much I love you. Keep going. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Addicted to Busy. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.